online worship gathering if you're new. Um, you know, I know this can be an awkward experience to, to try to connect uh, through uh, with a church this way, especially if maybe your faith background is not uh, strong or you don't have a lot of history with the church. Um, so we want to thank you for, for tuning in today. Thanks for taking time to get connected. And for all of you that are regulars at Coa Brookline, um, like hang in there. You know, this is this is important. Um, it's it's not as important as gathering with God's people, which will come in time. Um, but this is important in the meantime. This is a, a, a small taste um, of what it means to be connected with the church. And so uh, hang in there. Um, I encourage you to just look through the chat. And if you see someone uh, that's, that's part of the church that is not on there, um, you know, you might just want to text them right now and just say, hey, you know, I noticed you weren't on the Zoom call just thinking about you. Um, but let's care for each other right now because I know how how easy it is to get discouraged, how easy it is for us to um, for our minds and our hearts to wander, uh, for uh, for Satan to distract us. And so um, let's pray for, encourage, and support each other right now. Uh, I did want to invite you uh, to uh, stay on after the call, after the Zoom call today. We'll be doing a, I'll be doing my Q and A. Uh, we've spent a little while since we've done one, but. Uh, about five minutes after the, the service is over, we'll do the uh, Q&A on Zoom, uh, not on Facebook Live, so just you can get on there. Um, but uh, you can watch that. You can participate uh, by texting uh, 617-942-0753 and I'll, uh, before the end of the worship time, and I'll, I'll be answering those questions. So maybe maybe there's a question that's popped up during the series about the Holy Spirit um, that you would like me to, to talk about um, or something that comes up today. So uh, feel free to um, text in that number. All right, so you can open your Bible um, to Acts chapter 1. So we're um, in Acts 1 today. While you're turning there, I don't know if how many people actually know this, but I, I grew up, um, I grew up on the water on a small river off Chesapeake Bay. Um, don't, don't think it was glamorous. I lived a mile down a dirt road in a very small county. Um, that that was very rural, so it wasn't you know this glamorous uh, area. But uh, but I grew up sailing. Actually, I grew up you know on the water in a lot of ways. We had a little skiff and a little powerboat and then uh, a sailboat. And you know the sailboat wasn't fancy either. It was funny. It was my um, it was my uncle uh, who who had this twenty five year old uh, British made uh, sailboat that uh, he couldn't use anymore. So he just like sold it to my dad for a dollar or something. And and uh, we took that thing and it was ugly. I mean it was ugly. It was, it was like 18 feet long, so it wasn't long, but it, it had a cabin and, and looked like a regular sailboat. It was uh, had the full body and everything, uh, the hull, but uh, had two keels, which was weird, side by side, because it was made to, to be in the English Channel, uh, where it's very, very rough. And so this thing was like a tugboat, uh, honestly. And I learned to sail on this on this uh, boat. And it was terrible if there was no wind or just only a slight wind because it, it it was so heavy. It took a lot to get it moving. But it was a blast when the wind was blowing, when there was a strong wind. Because um, you couldn't turn this thing over in a hurricane, I think. But uh, anyway, you know, when we sailed, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a big boat. So it didn't have a, a wheel to, like, steer, like, what do you imagine and, uh, or see a lot of sailboats with. It had what's called a tiller um, that was attached to the rudder. And the tiller is just basically this long pole that is attached to the rudder that goes out the back of the boat. And you would hold this tiller, you know, to, to steer the boat. And, you know, one of the interesting things I learned about sailing over the years uh, with that boat was that, um, you know, sailing is, is a, really a lot about feeling. It's not, 
you know, it's it's more about feeling, I would argue, than it is about seeing. Uh, though you obviously should pay attention. You should see where you're going. You should see what the sales look like. Um, but but when you're sailing, if you've never sailed, there's there's a there's a sweet spot that you get the the the, the boat in with the sails up and the and the way the sails are catching the wind is just perfect. You're maximizing the power of the wind in your sails, and you know as you, uh, it, it's so interesting. The boat will almost sail itself. You could close your eyes and, and just kind of keep the boat right there, and it's because there's this tension. There's tension to one side that pushes it sort of into the wind or so that the wind doesn't hit the sails at all. And then there's the other side where the wind just slowly, gradually dies off. And so, you know, either way you, you, you lose the wind, but you're, but it, but it's that sweet spot. That's where, where sailing is so much fun. And again, I said, it's, it's about feeling. And I really learned to feel that with the tiller. Sometimes you had the, you know, two handed, you know, full body strength holding the tiller if the wind was blowing hard. Um, but you know, it's interesting, the spirit, Jesus compares the spirit in John chapter three to, to the wind. He says the wind, uh, the spirit blows where it will, uh, just like the wind does. And we don't see it, but we see the effects of it. And so when it comes to the spirit, um, you know, I'm going to be using a bit of this, this metaphor, uh, today, but what we find in the new Testament, um, is that the way the wind blows, the way the spirit blows is in line with the mission of God. In fact, the, the wind is blowing towards the mission of God. Um, the, the spirit is always moving that way, always developing that way. And it's our responsibility um, because it is its constant direction and focus that we would walk in step with the spirit or we would um, keep in step with the spirit, right? So all these, all these uh, commands that I've shared through the New Testament during the last three weeks of our series um, are, are about being connected with the spirit, being full of the spirit, right? And so, um, you know, our job then is to, to, to find that sweet spot to, as, as God's people, to, to live in that sweet spot where, the, where, the, where our sails are up and, and we're, we're relying on the Spirit to lead us, direct us, and empower us in the direction that He has for us. So, yeah, we were, I was talking about the Spirit being, uh, Spirit being the wind of God. Um, and empowering the church uh, to, to follow Christ. Um, Jesus talks about the Spirit being like a wind in John 3. Um, and so today as we're in it, finishing this series on, um, on the Holy Spirit, I wanted us to talk about how the Holy Spirit of God empowers uh, the, the mission of God. Uh, so um, if you've got your Bible, turn to Acts uh, chapter 1, uh, Verse eight. We're going to be talking about the how this uh, Jesus is resurrected. He's getting ready to ascend to heaven, um, and he 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 shares a, a very powerful, important message to his disciples. He says this: uh, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth." And so, uh, this message is really why Koa exists today. This is the the, the the message of the Spirit of God empowering the mission of God for the last two thousand years, beginning back in the Book of Acts, um, you know, and 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 then continuing through today. You and I are part of this mission. If you are a Christian, if you have come to faith in Jesus, if you have experienced the power of the gospel in your own life, that is because the mission has reached you, because the power of the Spirit of God has taken the gospel uh, to uh, people who took it to 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 you. 
And so we exist very much today in line with uh, this, this mission. And today I want us to look at in this just this one short verse to highlight the purpose, the power, and the program of the Spirit here. And so the purpose here is uh, is pretty clear. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. That's the purpose for us. You and I will be witnesses of Christ. Uh, Jesus told his disciples that they were going to tell other people about him. He said, you have, you have seen me. You have walked with me. You have experienced grace for me. You saw me die on the cross. You saw me rise from the grave. And you're going to go tell people about this. And they are going to experience a new life uh, through the forgiveness of their sins and faith in this gospel message. And this is the most important message in human history. This is a message that, um, you know, you can miss out on a lot of things on life, uh, in life. Um, you know, I have friends, some of you, uh, you know, are not on social media at all. You have zero uh, presence on social media. And, you know, some people would say, well, you're missing stuff. You're missing something. Well, you know, you probably don't think you really are. Or you maybe, and in fact, you probably aren't missing a ton. Um, and so there's, you know, there's things in life that you can miss out on. But the opportunity to hear and respond to the message of the gospel is the single most important thing uh, in in the heart of God, that that people would have the opportunity to hear and respond. So we, we're called to be witnesses. Being a, and being a part of the church means stepping into this purpose, that this purpose is yours. It's not just like generically given to the church. It's given to us individually. And it means you and I putting ourselves in the middle of what God's doing in this world. Not just right now, but for the last, for, since, since the very beginning, as Adam and Eve sinned and rebelled against their creator and fell into sin, and God created a plan of redemption there, promising Christ and then sending Christ. And now that message of restoration, that message of redemption and restoration goes out uh, to, to the world, and it has reached us. And for you and I, it means telling other people. How the gospel has impacted you. It is the purpose uh, that, that we have in the Spirit of God. Now, I realize when you talk about that, especially in this world, we, we talk about you know sharing sharing the gospel. We talk about being witnesses, or we talk about living on mission. Well, in 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 your case, in my case, uh, we are called to be witnesses, not to be you know, and and that means telling others the story of what Jesus did for us. You know, if you're a Christian at some point in your life, uh, whether it was even through your parents uh, as a young child, the gospel came to you and you were given hope. You were given, um, you know, new life in Jesus. And being able to tell others about that new life is what it means to be a witness. And I, and I have to say this, how much pressure does that take off us in this world, right? Um you know, you you might be thinking, I, I don't know if I have all the answers. I don't have a dramatic story. Um, you know, and our culture will question a lot of things. They'll, they'll ask, you know, well, I don't believe in God or I don't know why, you know, I don't, I don't believe in the evidence of Jesus. And, you, and, and that's fine. And like, I realize that there's a place to talk about that and address that. But one of the interesting things about our world is they will not question your own experience. It's the one rule, right? If, if you tell people, listen, I, you know, um, there was a point in my life where I believe I met Jesus. And, 
and my heart was changed, and I experienced love like I never had. I experienced grace. I experienced forgiveness. I, I, I experienced a cleansing. I, I, I was given a living hope, like a real hope. And there was a darkness in my life, and then it became there was light in my life. And and now I believe I live life walking with, and knowing Jesus. So you know, no one's gonna, no one can look at you. I mean, they might, but but really, it's it's the one rule in our culture is to not question someone else's experience. Um, but being a witness can be telling others what Jesus has done for you, what Jesus is doing in you. Um, and this is part of our purpose for every Christian, to be a witness of Jesus with our words and with our actions. And I say those two go together. You know, it's, there's, a, there's a terrible rumor going around that, that uh, St. Francis of Assisi once said, you know, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Um, you know, not only did did St. Francis never say that? St. Francis was actually part of a preaching order of monks. And so he, he was known for, for preaching, uh, for telling others about Jesus. So uh, it, it, this idea that you could live your life in such a way that without any words at all, without any words at all, that other people will fall down at your feet and cry out, I need Jesus. Tell me about this man. You know, it, it's, it's not going to happen. Not, not only is it, is it wrong biblically, but how much pressure is that on you? How much pressure is that on me? That somehow we're supposed to live so perfectly that, that other people would be compelled to, to, to ask us about Jesus. And so the good news is that our life and our message, our message uh, the call to declare and display the gospel go hand in hand. So, so let's take if you're an engineer. Your purpose in life is not to be an engineer. That's your vocation as part of your calling. But your ultimate purpose in life is to, to, to live for the glory of God by declaring and displaying the gospel for others. If you're a Christian, your call it, that incorporates everything, this is the beauty of it, your family, your money, your free time, your work, all of that. So when you go to be an engineer, you go to work, work hard. Do a good job. Respect your boss, even if she's a jerk or he's a jerk. R- respect your, your coworkers. Be supportive. Love others well in your workplace. And what that does is that that creates a context where when you talk about the gospel, there is this sense of like, well, there is something a little different about him. You know, he's not perfect or she's not perfect, but there, there's something about them. That's our purpose, to, to be on the mission of God to be witnesses, but we can't do this alone. We can't. So the, so the, the second P here, so we'd have purpose and now we have power. And the power is in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to us and, and gives us the power of God. Verse four says, uh, the disciple, Jesus told the disciples uh, in, in Acts 1, 4, stay in Jerusalem. Don't go. Don't leave Jerusalem. Stay here because you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And what he wanted to do is not just make sure that they didn't miss the, being there for the Holy Spirit when he was poured out, but that they, that, he, that they wouldn't miss the fact that they can't go do what they're supposed to do without the Holy Spirit. We can't live out this mission. We can't be faithful witnesses. There will always be some reason, some pressure, some, some uh, you know, uh, outside force or inside force that, that gets us off track. If we're, we're sailing, it's gonna, we're going we're gonna to steer one way or the other. Only the power of the Spirit of God can keep us in that sweet spot. 
So Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And this is, uh, this is what happens in Acts 2. We talked about, that, about this a few weeks ago. So we looked at the end of Acts 2 and the sort of the fruit of all of this. But Acts 2 is the story of the, the original disciples and apostles, 150 or so, being together in, this, uh, in Jerusalem during the Feast of Pentecost, where there were hundreds of thousands of visitors, plus the population of the city. Some estimate as high as a million people in the city of Jerusalem at the, at the beginning of Acts 2 for this, this uh, Jewish festival. And yet, uh, and, and there, God poured out his spirit on the these 150 people in flames of t- fire, and, and each of these uh, or, uh, these these disciples and apostles began going out and, and preaching the gospel in a foreign language that they had no previous knowledge of, like perfect fluent uh, German or perfect or fluent uh, you know Chinese or perfect or fluent uh, Swahili. It was it was this this perfect. Uh, interpretation, a perfect gift of speaking the gospel in a foreign language. And the reason why is because there were people from every known part of the world there. And they heard the gospel in their own tongue. And what what Acts 2 tells us is that thousands of them, thousands of them heard the gospel, experienced the power of the Spirit to give them new life in Christ, and they were baptized and brought into the church. And throughout the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, the presence of the, the, the Spirit of God is always about the power of God for mission. So every time you see the Spirit showing up in the book of Acts, it is about the power of God for the mission of God. This power, though, uh, the power of the Spirit, though, isn't given to us to, to give us warm thoughts, The power of the Spirit isn't given to us so that we would feel better about ourselves. The power of the Spirit is not given to us so that we can simply be comfortable or that that we could achieve our life dream or or, or, or what we think is our life purpose. No, the power of the Spirit is in our lives that we might display and declare the gospel for others. So it is inherently, the Spirit is inherently the spirit of Jesus, and Jesus was never about himself, was he? He was always about the glory of God. He laid his life down for the good of others. So the spirit, when, when, when our sails are full, are blowing us out of ourselves, blowing us out of our own selfishness, our own self-centeredness, our own getting caught up in our own needs, and gets us focused on serving others in the gospel. Now, I realize... You, you might be sitting here and still thinking, I, I just don't know that I can be on mission. I don't know that I can tell someone else about Jesus. I've never done it, or I, you know, only did it once when I was a teenager, and it was we were at youth at a youth camp, and you know, I just remember talking to this other kid about it, and you know, and and so there's this fear. Maybe you're a newer Christian. You're like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to share the gospel. Uh, but but I want to encourage you. It's not about you. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about how gifted you are. It's not about having a dramatic story that makes you effective in sharing the gospel. No, what makes you effective in sharing the gospel is the power of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God living in you, empowering you to go and tell other people about Jesus, to talk to them under the Spirit's guidance and wisdom. It's the same reason a sailboat is, uh, a sailboat's ability to move is never about the beauty of the sailboat 
uh, about the, 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 the size of the sailboat or about the, the size of the sails or the, or the fanciness of, of all of that. It is ultimately about getting in the wind. And so whether it is a little, you know, little uh, skiff sailboat or, you know, a 75-foot sailboat, they all sail the same way. The wind, it's the power of the wind, not the sailboat. The sailboat can't go anywhere on its own. It has no, no power without the wind, right? And so the wind of the Spirit wants to blow in your life and in my life in a way that we can have that power that we need to go and to be faithful, to share with our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers. What if we owned this purpose and experienced the power of the Spirit? What it, might it look like for you to let the Spirit of God blow in your life, giving you the power to, to share the gospel with others? What if during this crazy time of COVID where, where we feel our entire lives are defined by COVID, right? And our purpose is to get through COVID, but what if, what if rather than letting all of that be what determines us, we, the Spirit of God kept us on the mission of God? That, that in fact, during this time, maybe God's given us unique opportunities to be a witness, unique opportunities to talk about Him, not telling, telling other people, hey, you know what? My life is completely awesome and incredible right now because, you know, COVID doesn't have any power over me and I'm, I, you know, I follow Jesus. That's not the point. In fact, I would argue that right now, telling people that life's hard, telling others that, you know, hey, you face discouragement as well and, uh, and, and feel isolated, but you find the Spirit of God helping you. You find the presence of Jesus in your life helping you. You find the, the, the Spirit of God working through the people of God to help you. You are now testifying. You are now witnessing to what Jesus has done in your life and is doing in your life. How many people will Koa talk to this week? You know, there's 100 screens on this call and on Facebook right now all together, you know, with, with several people on each screen, 200, 250 people, maybe including kids, uh, you know, on this uh, as part of Koa, right? But how does that multiply this week in terms of who we're connected with? Who's in our circle Who's, who is the Spirit of God leading us towards? And I want to encourage you. Listen, you don't decide this on your own. You pray. You pray. You ask the Spirit of God. Just like in the book of Acts, like in Acts 13, the, the Spirit guided and spoke to the church at Antioch and said, set apart Saul and Barnabas for mission. The Spirit of God wants to guide you. He's not hiding this. He's not saying, okay, here's the power tools. Now go out there and do some stuff. Like, no, the power is not just the power to do it. It's the power to do it right. It's the power to, to, to do it with wisdom. It's the power to do it with discernment. And so the Spirit of God gives the power of God for the mission of God. And that's this, this final point I want us to hit is that this program, the mission of God, is to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. That's the, the purpose in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and to the ends of the earth. So the program is to the ends of the earth. Jesus literally rolled out the program for the next 2,000 years and beyond. This is the, the this this little line this little message here Jerusalem Judea to the ends of the earth is the outline for the book of Acts 
You can follow this through the book of Acts, Jerusalem, the city they were all in, Judea and Samaria, larger regions around them and to the ends of the earth as the gospel begins to spread. You see, the entire Bible is focused on the mission of God. It started with Abraham, with God calling Abraham into his family in Genesis 12. And, and, and it it's, comes into focus in the New Testament and expands out into the nations. And in fact, what we see when we look at Acts chapter 2, what started with 150 people, when the gospel was spread, uh, when the gospel was spoken in other people's languages, uh, the, the gospel, it lists the different nations and people are, that are here. And I think we have a map that should, should be up on the screen in just a second. But there's, this is a map of all of the nations and peoples, uh, the areas that were represented in Acts chapter 2. And you see all of these different sections. You see uh, all the way over in Rome and you see all the way over into East Asia and the Arabian Peninsula and into Northern Africa and Libya and, and Egypt. All of that, all of those regions were, were present in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit was poured out. And we see this rolling out through the rest of the, the book of Acts through uh, when after the persecution of Stephen in Acts uh, 7, uh, there, were, there was persecution that broke out in, in Jerusalem and those Christians left. Many of them moved out of Jerusalem and went to Roman cities around the empire, taking the gospel with them. And then in Acts chapter 8, we see Philip, God leading, leading uh, the, the uh, deacon Philip to go uh, under the direction of the spirit, to go to a certain road and meet an Ethiopian eunuch and share the gospel with him and baptize him. And then that Ethiopian eunuch left and went back to Ethiopia with the gospel. So this is the message. This is what has happened. This is why we exist as a church today. Early Christians were faithful no matter what the challenges were. Many of them were, were persecuted. Many of them faced death and yet were faithful in, in declaring the gospel. And, and, and here's why. Because they believed that sharing the gospel was a normal part of the Christian life. That they had been given the message of eternal life. And that to not share it is to, to, to rob other people of the opportunity to hear and respond. It's to, to, to actually hate other people. It's to say, I don't care what happens to you. I have eternal life. I have hope. I have meaning and purpose. And I just don't believe you need to hear that or, or that it's important that I tell you. No, the early church believed that it was part of everyday life to tell others what they had done. In, in Acts 4, we saw that we see crazy thing happened where the disciples were arrested for preaching and t- sharing about Jesus. And they were beaten. And they, this council, they said, you know, we're, we don't go and preach about Jesus anymore. You know, and it's amazing. After they were beaten and they left, it says they were rejoicing that they had been counted worthy of suffering for Jesus. And then they went and preached Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. What in the world causes someone to do that? What in the world fills someone in that way that they would go after being beaten, rejoice over that, and then go preach? The Spirit of God filling them with the power of God for the mission of God. And we see this in our world today as Christians are being persecuted all over the world. You can read about Nigeria and what's happening there right now among our brothers and sisters in Christ. You can hear about places in the Middle East. Um, you know, a few years ago, I got to meet a pastor from Turkey that 
I, I still, I just felt like I was re, I was talking to somebody from the, the New Testament. Here's this uh, Turkish pastor and who'd become a Christian and he was sharing the gospel and he had started this church and he had, you know, 50, 60 Turkish people who would come out of, uh, out of Islam and come to experience grace in Christ. And, and God was working. And so, and then and some police officers, you know, they grabbed him and they, they, they told him he needed to stop doing this. He said, you're going to end up getting killed if you do this. And you know what he said? He, he, told, he told me this out of his own mouth. He said, you know, I told him, you can't threaten me with glory. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? That sounds an awful lot like Paul saying in, in Philippians 1, to live as Christ, to die as gain. So think about the power that gives you as a follower of Jesus, that you have no fear of man. That doesn't mean you go out and treat people mean. That, just the opposite. You love them, but you're not content. You're not dependent on them liking you. You're following Jesus, and you're trusting the power of God to do what the Spirit of God, uh, the Spirit of God, to do what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God has been active, and the church stands today as the largest, most diverse movement of humanity that this planet has ever seen. Right? Acts, you know, Acts 2, all these nations, today the gospel, don't buy the lie that that somehow gets fed to us here in the West that Christianity is on the decline, it's falling apart. Listen, nominal Christianity is dying in the West. Those who had like a nominal commitment, it's dying, right? That middle group of people who kind of went to church occasionally, but really weren't following Jesus, that's dying. The group that actually goes to church on a regular basis is fairly, fairly consistent right now. So what, what's happening is our, our country is going two ways. It's becoming more secular and more, uh, more Christian. So people are moving. Uh, but around the world, the gospel is blowing up in Africa right now. There are nations and areas where the gospel is really moving. There's places like China where, the, where, where it's a closed country. It's a communist government. They're persecuting, arresting Christians, shutting down churches. And the gospel just keeps going. India, it's growing in, 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 in tremendous ways. Um, places in the Middle East, the fastest growing national church, you may have heard me say this, but the fastest growing church in any nation as a percentage of that, that nation, that population, uh, the fastest growing church is Iran. Iran is, is seeing thousands of people come to faith in Jesus and, and experiencing new life in Christ. The second fastest growing is Afghanistan. The gospel is blowing up in Latin America. The only place it's like plateaued or declining really is is in in the West right now. Uh, even Europe, some of the historic uh, um, historic cities in in Europe are seeing church planters, uh, church planting movements happening. So the gospel is going. The mission is going. The question is: Are you and I part of it? Are we simply going to sit back and go, you know what, I've got a good church, I've got some good friends, I've got good relationships, feel comfortable, um, and, and I'm okay? Or are we going to own that mission that we would experience the power of God in our own lives to see the mission of God happen? There is an enemy. There is an enemy uh, to this. Um, We've talked about the, this uh, spiritual battle over the last few weeks. Listen, there's nothing higher on the agenda of Satan than to keep the gospel from going forth. He hates to see the gospel take root in someone's heart and to see them reconciled to God and given new life. He hates that. And so why not make, make deterring, uh, distracting, discouraging Christians from sharing the gospel the, the, the highest priority he has? It is central to his heart. 
He will use whatever means he can to stop you. He will get, he will get Christians navel-gazing about our issues. He'll get us all caught up in our own failures. He'll get us all discouraged about our sins and, and, and not feeling like we're good enough. And we're missing the point. It's not about the sailboat. It's about the wind. And as long as we're navel-gazing and we're caught up with our own issues and we think God can't use us because I have sin and I'm, I struggle, as long as we're like that, we've got, the, we've got the, the tiller and we have steered it straight in, into the wind. The wind can't catch the sails. But if we'll get our eyes up, stop listening to Satan, stop listening to the lies that tell us the most important thing about life is you. You are the most important thing and yourself and your self-care and your self-centeredness and your self-serving is the highest priority you should have above everything. No, we don't see that in scripture. We don't see that. In fact, the, the, you know, Keller wrote a book called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And it is true. Some of the happiest moments you and I ever experienced and have experienced in life is not moments we're dwelling on ourselves. It's moments we're, we're caught up with someone else or something else. Or, or hopefully God. But it's when we're outside of ourselves that we, we actually experience the fullness of what it means to be happy. And so that mission, it's hard, right? It's hard. You know, God, God has planted us in a difficult city. Boston's an amazing city, incredible city. It's a global city. Perhaps the most influential city on earth per person, globally speaking. So God has put us here. And it's hard because there's so much pressure against us, so much pushing against the idea of Christianity, the, the idea of the gospel, the idea that, that, that we could see fruit happen. But listen, the Spirit of God is not intimidated by Boston. The, the God in heaven is not up in heaven wringing his hands going, I just don't know what I'm going to do with that city. There's so many smart people there. There's so much secularism there. There's so much you know, money there. How could I possibly bring a revival there? How could I send my spirit and save thousands or hundreds of thousands around Boston? No. In fact, what I, what I, I want to suggest is God has put us in this place for just such a time as this. For just such a time as this that we could be faithful on mission and see the purpose of God. You know, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, one of the interesting things about, about that imagery, and it, took, it, it, was, it wasn't until several years after I'd read it and even studied it that I actually, someone said this. They said, you know, gates are not a, an offensive weapon. Gates are a defensive weapon. You've never seen a, a movie, a war movie, you know, where, where uh, 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 you know, one side is advancing on the other and they've picked up a gate and they're running at the other side. No, gates are for defense. And what Jesus is saying is, I will build my church, not you. I will build my church through the spirit of God, the power of God. And, and, and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not stop it. The gates of hell will not be able to keep the kingdom from going forward. God has given you and I through the spirit. Jesus has promised us the gates of hell won't stand. He's given us the ability to go against Satan, to go and punch him in the face and say, you don't get to keep all of these people in darkness. You don't get to keep all of these people in bondage to their sin and to death. You don't. 
The gospel is powerful. The, the, the spirit of God is powerful and has invited us into to being a part of that. So we go, not because we're awesome, not because we're strong, but because the power of the gospel is strong. Because Jesus has promised, I will build my church. So we go, we go in his power and his purpose. You know, I believe God called our family to, to Boston back in 2008. It was, it was a process, right? And, and I just use this as an example of how the Spirit worked. It was a, it was a beginning of a calling, a sense of, of wanting to, to go make an impact, to, to, wanting to go plant my, our flags and see what Jesus could do for the next 25 or 30 years, one place, and just praying about where that place was. And the Spirit just kept directing us towards Boston. And, and over a period of time, over coming here and praying over the city, over meeting other planters, over talking with uh, friends and brothers and sisters in Christ and hearing their words of wisdom and insight and through um, just time, just waiting on the Spirit to, to tell us the time is right. Um, we, I, I believe this. I believe the Spirit of God led us to this city uh, to be on mission. But it's not easy so living in the spirit and the power of God for the mission of God is, is, is beautiful. It's amazing. There's a joy there in that. But it is also difficult because you are now gone on the offensive against the kingdom of darkness. And Satan is not going to sit back. He's not going to say, well, well. No, he's going to throw stuff at you. He's going to tempt you personally. He's going to discourage you. He's going he's to uh, tempt people around you. He's going to try to stop. He's going to try to give you this idea that that person you don't think could ever become a Christian is never going to become a Christian. When in fact, only the Spirit of God can decide that, not you. Through all these hard times, sending out seven churches and seven core teams. I, I, I was counting the other day, I think it was around 200 people that we've sent out over the years to, to be core teams and new churches. Um, it's hard. It's hard to say goodbye to so many leaders and elders and CG leaders and covenant members over the years. It's hard. It's difficult, right? It's challenging. But God reminded me at the 10th anniversary as we, as we, as we celebrate, as we, we thought about people who've met Jesus, as we as we've, uh, saw how the mission has moved forward through planting of churches and new community groups around the area. And as I reflected on the community that God's building at Koa, the, the community here that's, that's diverse, that, that has a lot of differences, and there's difficulties in all of this, right? But, but that through this, the Spirit has worked. And God encouraged my heart, reminded me that, that we're right in the middle of the mission of God. And it's our job to stay on that mission. It's our job to, get the, to take the tiller and steer it into wherever the Spirit's leading. And let that, the power of the Spirit take us. Through all this mess and difficult times, I've tried to steer the boat myself. I've, I've grabbed the wheel, uh, you know, admittedly, uh, over the life of Koa and, or my own life and grabbed that, you know, tried to steer the boat where I think it should go instead of letting the Spirit guide. And I, you know, if I could stick with that metaphor as we close, I, I want us, I want you individually, and I want us as a church to really find that sweet spot of the Spirit, of walking in the Spirit, the wisdom, the direction, the power of the Spirit. But it's not going to happen because the elders decide to do it. It's not going to happen because the, uh, the, the staff or the CG leaders decide to do it. No, we can only 
move as a church in the Spirit of God, in the power of the Spirit, if we individually own that together. And so, you know, as I was thinking about and praying about how to close this series out, it's been a good series. It's been really good for me personally, uh, dwelling on the Spirit the last four weeks. And I thought to myself, um, you know, how does how would God want me to end this? And I, I ended up going back to to a story in First Samuel. It's in the beginning of uh, early in First Samuel that uh, Samuel was a small boy and he was living in the temple at the time. He was uh, he was serving uh, or in the uh, the tabernacle and he was serving under uh, a priest named Eli. And you know, Samuel lay down one night and he heard um, his name called. And so he hopped up and he ran to uh, Eli and said, did you call me? And he said, no, I didn't. Go lay back down. So he went and lay back down. Happened again. A third time he comes back to Eli and Eli says, I think that's God calling you. Go back, lay down. And when you hear, this, when you hear God speak, you say, speak for your servant is listening. And that's how I'd like for us to end this series today is to ask the spirit to speak, to actually pray. And say, Spirit, speak, for your servant is listening. And maybe you're not in that place right now in your own heart to do that. Um, but, but I would encourage you, if you can't do that right now, take time to do that later today or this week at some point. But I want to challenge you. Because I think as we would each individually surrender and listen to the leading of the Spirit, that we collectively as a church will find that sweet spot the Spirit has for us. And the power and the mission of God will happen. Let's pray. Jesus, if there's someone today who, who has heard this message of the gospel and they've um, this hope, this purpose that you call us into in Christ, um, it resonates with them. I pray that they would not be uh, they would not hold back if they sense you, the Spirit, calling them to salvation, calling them to Jesus, that they, in this very moment, uh, would turn away from their sins. They would repent. They would ask for forgiveness. They would look to Jesus, and they would ask him to fill him, fill them with, their, with the Spirit. Lord, help them. And I pray we as a church, every Christian on this call who's part of co that we would, we would be fully surrendered to the Spirit, that we would be able to say and pray with full faith, Spirit, speak, for your servant is listening. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.